Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. My name is Julian Gudelai. Here you get to hear interviews and stories from philanthropists, social change makers, and people with a planetary purpose. If you tune in regularly, you know that I host a lot of different interviews from different places in the world. Just recently, we started the Rehumans series with some of the regenerative humans, part of the Rehumans um, storyline and book. And also, I have shared a few episodes in the past from different festivals or places I went to. And so today, this is one of a few episodes that I'll share with you that I hosted at Envision Festival 2020. Today's episode is with Marcus McNeil, the CEO and co-founder of Magic. Magic is an agency in the digital marketing space, creating magic ripples of impact, allowing people like Eckhart Tolle, like Marion Williamson, or even like Psilocybin Mushroom to, yeah, spread their wings and fly. And so without any further ado, jump into this episode in the jungle that Marcus and I recorded at Envision Festival 2020. I hope you have fun with it. So here we are, another episode from the jungle uh, at Envision Festival 2020. I'm sitting here with Marcus. Hello. Yeah, you're part of an immersive soundscape. You're going to hear critters in the background and birds and festival music and also our conversation with the Humans at Trust camp. And let's talk about trust, Marcus. You run a digital marketing agency. I do. Called Magic. And yeah. you guys are creating magic of connection in the digital landscape, right? So let's just jump right into the cold water and, and swim there because I feel like the digital landscape and trust are like kind of a paradox, you know? Like people want to trust the messages they get online, but there's yeah. so much bullshit out there. So. How do you see all that? Yeah, during the internet marketing boom in the 90s, people were much more trustworthy online. It was pretty new to be able to run ads and to be able to serve messages to people. And so these really manipulative marketing tactics of lying, essentially, but lying in very creative ways, uh, became standard place. And now consumers, if you want to call us that, people are becoming more sophisticated and becoming more skeptical. They've been burned. They don't trust everything that they see. And so in order for your message to really land, there has to be a foundation of trust. And the way that I look at trust in marketing is just being your authentic self. Never, ever, not only not lying, of course, don't flat out lie, but also don't exaggerate. Mm. Tell it exactly how it is. And people are going to respond to that because people have a radar, a trust radar. Yeah. yeah, the trust radar is really interesting. Maybe let's start there on a personal, like, you know, cosmos or a personal level. Like, how, how would you say your own trust radar is kind of set up? Like, what does it require for you to trust someone? For me, trust is about integrity. It's about saying you're going to do something, even if it's a small thing, and following through with it. So it's uh, something that's built over time through somebody's action. So it does take time, right? It does take, like testing the trust really yeah there are some things that can speed up the trust yeah. if you feel that instant connection with somebody like you've known them for years yeah. that might accelerate things also psychedelics can be a tool in which I can generate trust with somebody really quickly yeah. Uh, but yeah especially in romantic relationships in particular I think it's something that takes a little bit of time because we've all had some traumatic experiences and maybe have some emotional baggage and we're, we're more careful as, as we age, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I'm more careful. I think bringing this back to online now, 
it kind of is required of ourselves to be literate in the media world, right? Because if you're illiterate going into the digital realm, there are so many different apps, different environments, different infrastructures, well, also different offers that are just going to like just fully grab you and try to pull you into something. So, you know, not that we're like in this episode today going to create the, the media literacy kit with which people can trust, but do you have any advice for people? Like, how do you, how do you know if someone is in, in integrity online? Doing your due diligence. Doing your due diligence. I mean, and using using common sense. Although marketers are very very clever, so there's a lot of greenwashing going on in particular. So companies are presenting themselves as much more sustainable than they actually are, <laughs> yeah. and that's problematic because in order to assess whether an organization is actually sustainable, there are a lot of different inputs, and you have to be educated and you have to put in the time to do that and not everybody is willing to do that and so what we want to do is just trust off of what we see and unfortunately that can be deceiving yeah let's talk about one of your recent campaigns that I remember when you told me that you're going to be hosting Marion Williamson's presidency campaign you were like mm -hmm. super stoked about it. and I think even though she like at this point is not going to run for president in 2020 there is such a massive win of getting her message far and across and out to people. Yeah. Like how did how did that all go down for you? Because you guys were creating our digital kit, right? Our digital offering. Yeah. So we were hired to run Marianne Williamson's campaign. I don't even remember the exact date. It must have been January, February. It was around this time. It yeah, was about last, last year. Yeah. You told year. me about it last year. Exactly. Oh, that's right. Because we did an interview and then Slate published. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. that. Um, <laughs> So with Marianne's campaign, we were able to generate roughly 140,000 unique donors. Mm. We did that primarily through social media. And we did that by spreading a message that was founded in love. And I know that, oh, politics of love and you know, using love as a tool for healing the soul of America, it kind of sounds like a Hallmark card, but we actually came with it with that intention. Like we wanted to shift the paradigm and put somebody in office who's not a career politician, but somebody who understands deep, deep trauma and is going to heal that trauma at the very root of it instead of all of the symptoms that we're seeing in our society today. That's so, massive, 140,000 unique donors. Yeah, in a very short period of time, just a couple yeah. months. And so that allowed her to get on stage in the DNC debates in June and July and spread her message to mainstream media. She was the highest, or she was the most Googled candidate after the July debate. She got a lot of traffic and a lot of attention and a lot of media. It was an exciting time because never before has a spiritual teacher been on stage at the debates, yeah. at the DNC debates. Yeah. Never before has that happened. So it was an exciting time for us. Yeah, we are very proud. We, we got her message in front of tens of millions of people. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes you never know what's what's going to happen next, right? So that might still lead to like a larger kind of success of those 10 million people carrying this message further and further and further, even though she's not going to be president in 2020. Yeah. yeah, we created a ripple. Yeah. We were talking about consciousness mm. on CNN. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what's happening in this 2020 that we're in. Like it's the golden decade and the first few months of it right and it's only though the golden decade if we're making it the golden decade if we really believe that we can talk about consciousness on CNN that we can make topics of healing and 
intuition, not just sexy, but, but like come from a place of integrity in which they're not just fluff esoteric words, but they're actually really grounded ways of experiencing this human journey. Absolutely. Yeah, what are some of your, your learnings when you, you know, like, like, let's just go into like personal learnings about you, you know, what do you, how does it feel for you when you know you're like touching and reaching millions of people every month, sending them messages to interact with something that either opens their consciousness, like psilocybin mushroom that you helped decriminalize in, um, in Denver, right? Yeah. Or connecting to the message of love into politics. It might be a new thing, but it, it very much, at least in my personal words, it's very much needed. So how does that, how does it feel for you? What's your experience around, you know, like reaching millions of people monthly? It's a calling. It's people don't usually put two and two together. It's like, how can you actually use digital marketing for good? And there are thousands of agencies that call themselves ethical digital marketing agencies or purpose driven. But when you look at their book of clients, they actually aren't. Mm. And I don't blame them at all. They, they're intending to be something that they haven't been able to achieve yet because they have to work with traditional businesses in order to support their bottom line. Mm. Totally get that. Yeah. However, we've actually found a way to work with organizations and only organizations that are doing really beautiful things in the world. One of the things that I'm most excited about is we're working to heal our mental health crisis. So mental health is an epidemic. So suicide rates are going up every year, everywhere. Um, and depression is on the rise every year, everywhere. And we haven't had any new tools to deal with this for about 60 years. So one of the things that I'm excited about is we're working with an organization called Field Trip, which is opening up a digital, or not digital, an infrastructure of clinics in North America, about 60 clinics by 2023, wow. to use a few different modalities to help people heal. One of them is called ketamine. I don't know if you guys have heard about ketamine anymore uh, at all, but the research is really compelling about what it can do for depression and PTSD and some other things. Yeah, I mean the healing work around like really dear, dear severe depression, like PTSD yeah. or uh, you know any like intense trauma. I think it's because it's been such a taboo topic for so long. The dis they feel like there's a, a social disconnect in understanding that a lot of people with severe mental health problems have addiction or drug problems because they're trying to numb their own experience. They're trying to numb and, and go somewhere else to not connect with the actual trauma. And so unless we're creating the environment for them to reconnect with the trauma in a altered state, I guess, it's really hard to reprogram that some cognitive. It's a helpful tool. Yeah. It's a helpful tool. I've, I've heard from from therapists that it's just a 180 degree turnaround. People who have been struggling with chronic depression and wanting to kill themselves for even decades are now finding themselves with a new lease on life. So it's a really exciting time to be in the psychedelic field. Most people also wouldn't consider ketamine a classical psychedelic. Uh, I would. And the healing potential is enormous, especially with some of the work that we're doing with psilocybin and the work that organizations are doing with MDMA. It's really exciting. And we're potentially, I always, in these yeah, inter interviews, yeah. I have something to talk about that hasn't quite formulated, but I'm going to put it out there anyways. We're seeking to decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms in the entire state of Colorado in 2020. Wow. Potentially with a mix of some other entheogens or potentially all entheogens. So Decriminalize Nature is a grassroots activist organization that has successfully decriminalized 
uh, all entheogens in Santa Cruz most recently and before that in Oakland. Mm. So, so far there are three U.S. cities who have been able to do that. Denver Oakland, was the Denver, first, yeah. those, you know, our client yeah. that decriminalized mushrooms. So the legalities are changing. Businesses are starting to pop up. The research is changing, right? Like, the I mean, research is changing. Most people profits. are just really poorly informed with the conditioning of like, this is the wrong pocket and then this is the right way to do it. But then we know the right way to do it with, let's say, alcohol or, or you know, like overconsumption of TV and like other drugs. I mean, cocaine is also a massive problem. These norms that we have in our society, yeah. they're actually much more harmful than a lot of the psychedelic healing that is that is kind of entering society I mean, in as fact, a, a forefront of trauma. Yeah, trauma some, of the, some of the psychedelic healing work is to undo some of the prescri prescriptions that traditional Western mm. medicine has given us, like the opioid crisis, for example. Right is a horrible addiction that is everywhere. And we're working with Columbia University to promote their clinical trials to test the efficacy of ketamine therapy as a treatment for opioid, alcohol, and cocaine addiction. Wow. So this is what I mean by we're, we're working with organizations that are taking real action to solve problems that have never been solved before. Yeah. Um, like I envision having a world where we don't we, the depression may always exist, but there's a treatment for it. Yeah. Like it's no longer an epidemic. And I think it's something that we can achieve. And this brings me back to trust as well, because I said before that, you know, psychedelics are a way that you can establish trust with somebody quickly. Well, there are also experiences that people have had where psychedelics have broken trust. It's all about the set and it's all about the setting. Yeah. And it's really important that we have trustworthy facilitators and trustworthy physicians and therapists um, facilitating this work that's of the utmost importance. I love that you're that you're mentioning that because you know that the passion about this topic I guess in in like silo like environments where everyone has that opinion it's like yeah psychedelics yeah, to yeah, the rescue. Yeah, we're at Envision everybody loves psychedelics. Exactly yeah. but then the moment we come back into like um, quotation marks here regular society it's for me it's often about how do these systems meet how do those systems and infrastructures that we've built over the last hundreds of years meet these emerging states of future where we realize well if we want to transform the human participation on earth we got to actually transform the way we relate to ourselves and the way we connect to internal healing the way we connect to intuition and purpose right and, and I, for me personally that's like a daily occurrence and not necessarily with psychedelics but with through breath work and meditation and, and, and these tools, if I don't connect to it on a daily basis, I'm gonna default back into game A, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to take a cultural transition. Mm. Cannabis is a wonderful substance. It can be used to heal. And my opinion, and there are going to be a lot of people who disagree with me because many people's lives have been radically changed with cannabis. Mm. But my perception is that when cannabis was legalized, it's like, okay, great, we can go to the store, we can buy some pot and we can smoke it. But there wasn't a huge cultural shift. Boom. So that's what yeah. I'm looking for with the psychedelic renaissance, if you will, the second psychedelic renaissance. Let's talk about this a little bit. We talked, we talked about this um, in another episode with Adam Roa, actually, about high culture. Let's just call it that for a second, right? Like in Canada, it's, it's uh, legalized nationwide, in the US and a few states. I think in a few countries in the world, CBD now became a legal substance for, for healing. I think if we sell cannabis in like a weed or liquor store, it's kind of logical that it will not really be perceived as a tool for connection or healing, but just another way to, to you know, right. like, like numb yourself, which it can be, like it, it can have that very negative effect too. But 
the comparison I'd like to draw, and, and you know, it's, it's like when coffee entered society hundreds of years ago, we know that humans until that point mainly drank alcohol in, in Europe, like wine and beer, because water wasn't safe to drink. So they drank fermented water and alcohol because that was safe to consume. And so, you know, they literally went from this like sluggish, kind of drunk energy falling into each other into this hyper-productive, super social tool of, of caffeine. And so now cannabis entering our sphere is like, you know, if you compare it to coffee, coffee needed a little bit to understand what kind of culture wants to evolve around it. Now there's a reason why you go to a coffee shop to, to do work. There's a reason why you go to a coffee shop to meet a friend and chat because it creates that kind right. of stimulation. And so when it comes to cannabis, I feel like, you know, it, we haven't really defined what high culture wants to be. What's your, what's your point of view on that? Like, what could it be? What do you mean by high culture? Oh, it's just the, the term I'm making up about, like, the culture of consuming cannabis consciously or the culture of consuming it with intent that then leads to... Like, let's say high culture would be humans meeting in, in smoke shops that are on rooftops. And so every city would have, like, four or five rooftop smoke shops. And it, it becomes like a coffee shop kind of culture, but, but quite different, more like a high culture uh, concept where, where people would meet to to share their dream, to share their vision, to share their, their ideas more than... than right, because cannabis gets you into this, this dreamy state, so... Right. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm kind of like going there because I, I felt inspired by the way you shared about psychedelics. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, people use canna cannabis in very different ways. To, in I live in Colorado, so mm. people love to smoke weed and go snowboarding or mm. smoke weed and order food to their house or whatever. <laughs> there's, I, ha I haven't seen a lot of ceremony around it, and mm. I think that there's an opportunity there to create more of a ceremonial use of marijuana. And there are people who are doing that, again. But in the culture that I've seen, pot is just pretty casual. It's like drinking a beer, whatever, just kind of mm. smoke a joint, relax, take an edge off, escape. Escape, I think, exactly. Yeah. I think that uh, we would benefit greatly from bringing in more more ceremony around it because I actually I spent a about a week in Guatemala with an organization called Holos run by Ian Michael, Air Bear, and Samantha Sweetwater. Do you know that? Yeah, I had Ian Michael actually on Green Planet, Blue Planet oh, just recently. Yeah. Beautiful. He's amazing. I love Holos. And that experience changed my life. There were two there were three ceremonies during the seven days that we had to San Pedro, which is a cactus. Um, you you know, take the skin off and you brew it in a tea and you drink it. And it's about a 12-hour psychedelic experience. There are two of those ceremonies and also Bufo, 5-MeO-DMT, which is, most of you have probably never heard of that. Um, do a quick Google. <laughs> yeah, dimethyltryptamine. It's in yeah. all living beings, trees, soil, humans. But the bufo is from a toad, actually. A yeah, toad. Yeah. Exactly. It's venom extracted from a toad that you smoke. And I had the most beautiful experience of my life with this medicine, largely because of the container that Ian Michael and Samantha created. Mm. I felt very safe. I felt very held. Um, I was able to fully sink into the experience. And the 20-minute experience I had with Toad was unity consciousness. I felt one with everybody around me and with the earth. And it sounds almost like a Hallmark card, but when you feel this at a palpable level, it's amazing. And I felt total pure love, and I was just staring into Samantha's eyes as if she was welcoming me into heaven. That's how it felt. So 
the reason I mention that is because cannabis, although it's a much different medicine than those I just mentioned, uh, I think it could be really powerful if we ingested it in a different way with more intention. Yeah, intention is, is really, I think, the key access point to to connect an idea into the pragmatic, right? And, and to really hone it in because really, like, when we talk about the shift on planet Earth or the golden decade or, you know, like, at Convergence is like Costa Rica and Vision. This seems to be much more normal than in other places, but also in Boulder, Colorado, there's probably a lot of tribe of people who feel this, who embody this, who create this. And I've interviewed over like 160 people now in this regenerative movement. So there is, there is a lot happening on planet Earth. However, I think this illusion that we, we either have doomsday or, or utopian uh, solution, I think that in itself makes no sense because we know any action will have positive and negative reaction, right? So anything we do, it's like failing forward. We got to actually try things to see, okay, this was not worth trying it. We learned this, but actually learned from it. And then when things are worth trying it, like decriminalization of, of, of substances, for example, which for those of you who know, in Portugal, 20 years ago they started this and the entire statistics went into you know a much more livable social space i think we can learn from our past much yeah maybe much quicker is the right way to say it or, or simply much more thoroughly and understand we're not looking for utopia only we're looking for an integrated way of, of being a human being within the ecosystem earth absolutely and I love the topic of psychedelics, so I'm going to weave that back in. And we, as a Western culture, psychedelics are new to us, but mm. they are not new. They have been around for thousands of years, mm. and there are deep and rich traditions around them that must be honored. And if we are to integrate psychedelics into our Western culture, there's a huge education gap that we're going to need to cross. One, to make sure that we can reduce harm and make sure that people aren't harming themselves by not respecting and understanding these medicines. Yeah. And two, so that we can honor and respect the people who originally harvested and used yeah. these medicines. It's interesting that you're saying that because, you know, the picture in my mind is this, like you said, it's so casual to smoke a joint, like drinking a beer. It's like if you smoke a joint and then drink a beer and then go to watch a sports game, not that that's necessarily wrong, but it, it just feels like you're then still connecting back to the default world of, you know, just more of the same, really. And, and so it actually takes you into an altered state of experiencing yourself and the world around you. You're definitely an immersive sound experience now. There's lots happening around us. Marcus, I want to ask you um, just three gratitudes about coming back to Costa Rica. You arrived oh, today. Man. I feel like my central nervous system has immediately relaxed upon coming back. Nice. Gratitude number one is reconnecting with you, having another interview. Enjoyed this. Uh, what I'm here to do the most is reconnect with my friends. I have 30 or 40 friends here, and so I'm very grateful to be around all of them. And number three is just grateful to be alive and to be around around all these. See? Exactly. Grateful to be alive! There we go. <laughs> I could not have been a better moment to say that. Yeah, so nice. Thank you. And that's that. Another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it. Very much so. And we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. 
We're raising consciousness together and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of insight, evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, Make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon. 